Hello, friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Francisco Sinistro Iteralde. Please let me say a brief note about new show sponsors. This show is now brought to you by Athletic Greens, Bubs Naturals, and Vivo Barefoot Shoes, all of which are key components to my daily health, wellness, and fitness routine. To support the show, you can use the links in the show notes or on my Instagram, which will provide various discounts for each brand in the bio. Regarding sponsors, I want the listeners to know that any brand or sponsorship you hear about on the show will have been personally vetted by me, utilized consistently, and put through the test of jujitsu, strength training, and surfing prior to being invited on as a sponsor. I do this so that I can share these tools enthusiastically in hopes that they help you optimize your health because the healthier you are and the less pain you're managing, the more you can enjoy life and train. The other way you can support the show is by taking 30 seconds to leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the YouTube channel. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me continue to bring on amazing guests. There's also now timestamps in the show notes for your convenience, so feel free to jump around to the part that interests you most, although I always recommend listening to the episode in its entirety. A quick note about this episode specifically. Given the recent legal case involving my guests, we were not at liberty to discuss the matter in any capacity. Out of respect for Sinistro and the people involved, we purposely did not venture into a discussion about the details of what happened, nor the outcome of the court case. I want you to know that up front so that you can enjoy this episode for what it is, an insight into an incredible, dedicated jiu-jitsu practitioner, father, surfer, and studio owner. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, Francisco Sinistro Iteralde. Well, Francisco, thank you so much for taking the time to be here, man. One of Encinitas finest. I've had uh, recently the pleasure of getting over to Gentle Arts and training with you. Super technical, pragmatic, awesome academy you got going over there. So I appreciate it with a, a child and an academy taking the time to be on the show. Oh, thank you, Gabe, for the invite and... Thank you for stopping by, Abe. It was awesome to have you there for a class. Uh, you saw Friday noon class gets pretty gnarly, a lot of training. Uh, Mats gets full steamy in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you have... It reminded me like when uh, when I started training up in LA at uh, Macon Carvalho, which is the, the academy that I started training there. It's in a basement and there's no windows. There's no, you know, they have air ventilation and stuff like that. But when I was training with, with you guys, it reminded me a lot of that. You're like close proximity. You have to have a lot of spatial awareness to know like where the next role is going on. And then the heat, there's something about when it's hot like that, it just brings all the training up to a different notch. Yeah, it definitely makes you a little tougher when you when you train your best, but also you cannot breathe, you cannot take a deep breath. It's it's a lot harder. So we're trying to recreate your feeling of exhaustion already on the bikes, like heated yoga. So we're pretty much doing a heated jujitsu class. Yeah, it's like yeah, Bikram jujitsu. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> um, I, you know, in, in preparation for this, I, I, it was funny when I put you in my phone, I put you in my phone as Sinistro. And then when I looked at the card that you'd give me, I saw that your name was Francisco. And then I read about that and Sinistro is a, a false cognate in Portuguese means sinister, but in Brazilian, it's like slang to mean out of the ordinary, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of like gnarly and also like yeah. ambidextrous or like used 
techniques on different sides. So like these trends in history is also a way of saying right and left. So oh. yeah, I got. Because I was going <laughs> to ask you, I got the nickname I, when I was driving home. I was like, that he's the least sinister person I've met. Like you're such a nice person, a absolute killer, but like very nice, very welcoming, very generous. And I was wondering, how did you get that nickname? In, in the sport of jiu-jitsu. And you gotta understand that I, I got this nickname when I was twelve years old. So that was the Even that was better. the less <laughs> the less sinister stage of my life for sure. <laughs> a young teenager. So oh yeah, right. this is my uh, my professor, of course, Brazilian instructor. If anyone who's listening trained with a old school Brazilian person, you get a nickname first day of class. It's like the professor will never remember your name. You don't have an identity. You go to jiu-jitsu and it's like you get baptized with a new identity. And this is you from now on. Sometimes you get lucky, you get a cool nickname like mine. Sometimes you're not lucky at all. And you have like freaking big teeth and like a big mouth, you're a freaking horse. And that's how they're gonna call you until you're your black belt, you know? So right. it's like Bushesha. Bushesha means cheeks. So this is because the guy has big cheeks. They call him Bushesha. So sometimes you get stuck with a mean nickname and you get bullied all the way to your black belt pretty much. <laughs> so that almost makes me think of like, uh, you know, like you join the military, you get your head shaved, right? It strips you of your identity of, of like who you think you are. And it makes you, everyone is the same at that point. Is it something like that? Or is it literally like the professors just can't handle that many people's different names? To be honest, in in South America, bullying doesn't have a name. Okay, you get bullied all your life, and it's just your friends being your friends. No one's sensitive yeah. about being bullied in the in, in South America. So, your parents bully you. Of course, I don't bully my kid. Like, I understand that right. I have to respect people now, and give people their place and allow them to be the way they are. But when you're growing up, your kids are calling, if you're overweight, they're calling you all sorts of names. And like, if you got big teeth, they call you all sorts of names. So like, you're freaking tough. By the, by the time you're a teenager, they just being punish you every single day by whatever thing that you just don't care about nothing anymore. So I think that there's that culture that when you get intimate with someone in South America, they like call you names, not as a way of disrespecting you, but as a, it's kind of like to mean that you're part of the team, you're, you're part of the, the gang almost, yeah. you know? So it's more, like it's, more like, yeah, it's more like, yeah, it's more like a welcoming thing. Like if they call you by your name, that's too serious. You know, like only my mom will call me by my name. Right. Like <laughs> only my friends will call, like I have big ears, dude. Like I got built so much when I was growing up because of I have big ears. And thankfully, when I had cauliflower ears, they kind of like fix them and tuck them back a little more. And now people don't mess with me at all because I got big ears because they got cauliflowers on them. But yeah, when I was a kid, it was not. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would and, love to. Uh, I would love to be hanging out with you when someone decides to make fun of your ears. I'm sure that would funny, be dude, it's, sure that it's would go funny because really well. <laughs> a lot of people, and I can tell people's intention because some people are crazy, dude. Some people are like, yeah, literally, are, I don't know, they're dumb or. They, they like define death because they go to like the craziest looking person in the room and they try to pick up a fight with them. 
when I see someone that has yeah. such a weird energy or such a hype energy, sometimes people are on drugs too and like makes them believe they're Superman, True. whatever. True. So I feel like someone comes over me with an energy like that, like, oh yeah, what's up with your ears? You're a fighter, how huh? UFC or what? What's up? I'm like, no, dude, I, I play rugby or I was born yeah. like this. And you see people's faces when I say I was born like this, they're like, oh shit, I'm sorry, man, my bad. <laughs> like, I don't want nothing. Like, if someone tells me, like, oh, hey, UFC, what's up? Like, I don't want to talk to you most likely. Yeah. You know, so I just right, cut right, up right, right there and I played defensive <laughs> game right off the back and then I disengaged completely from any talk at all. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse, dude, with the cauliflower ears. I almost like the more the more I've been around people that are, uh, you know, elite level practitioners, people like yourself that have like in any situation, you are very able to take control of the situation in a it's in like a methodical way. And the more I'm around people like that, I realize that they don't want anything to do with those situations. It's the aggro bro like super macho douchebags who don't know anything about themselves who have never trained a day in their life that seem to think that they're so much tougher than they are and they're the ones picking the fights they're the ones getting in people's faces but the real people who are actually dangerous are the ones going like this you know absolutely i think that picking up fights is a sign of weakness uh, bullying mm -hmm. people is a sign of weakness i think that if someone is confident doesn't need to prove anyone anything so if I'm hanging out with four other friends and I want to be the coolest one in the gang, I'll go do stupid stuff. No way. Like I'm the one who's going to have the most control. I'm the one who's going to take care of the situation. Like I'm never going to over drink and, and not being able to take care of myself or my friends or people around me. And same thing. Like I've been in many situations where I have a friend that gets heated with someone else. I'm like, Hey dude, like just leave it like that. But Hey, if you want to fight, Go ahead, fight. I'll watch you. Like, I'm, I'm not down to yeah. fight. For, not worth not it. Not down to fight for a friend, for no one. Unless you're trying to hurt me, my family, my kid, my wife. Like, that's the only way I'm fighting back. Like, if I cannot run away from it. But, dude, right. it's not worth it. I had one of my best friends got killed because he tried to uh, take someone's side on an altercation. Uh, he went to... Uh, stop someone who's actually uh, treating really, really bad an elder person, right? Like someone like full mm -hmm. of rage started going. Where, where was this? This was in Mexico. And yeah, yeah. And, uh, he went to like mediate so the person wouldn't be aggressive with this older person. And then, you know, good shot, man. So I think we, we have to be very aware of what fights we want to fight. And if, I mean, well, even uh, extremely sad, the Leandro Lowe situation, right? I mean, that's a situation where someone who's not escalating what's going on, trying to downregulate it to stop the situation. And there's just, there's crazy people in the world, man. Crazy people out there. And you never know. You literally have no idea who you're dealing with at any moment. That's one of the reasons I, I, I love jujitsu so much is because you do kind of know who you're, you're dealing with people you trust. Like when you go, I can show up to an academy like yours and train with you guys. And I honestly feel like at the end of that training, there's 10 people that I, I trust. I actually trust them because 
I'm willing to, in that moment, put my life in their hands to some regard and know that at the end of the day, I can tap and they're going to stop and we can start again and we can learn and we can get better. And that builds trust and camaraderie and it, they, you get to see who they actually are by how they act in a, in a controlled setting. Yeah, and you got to go through a lot of filters to step on a jiu-jitsu gym, first of all. <laughs> if, yeah. you got, if you got so much ego that you have a gun on you, whatever you go, just because maybe yeah. maybe you're not going to pass that filter to make it into a jiu-jitsu gym, you know? And depending <laughs> on the intentions as well, like I'm, I'm not saying I'm pro-gong, against gong. I actually think like everyone should be able to do whatever they want to do, buy whatever they want to buy. But uh, for sure the intention of people, man. I think that uh, since we are good people, we're trying to do good in this world, we cannot wrap our heads around so much evil that is around us. And when we go out on the street, we're completely ignorant to the type of danger can be around us. We just have no idea because we're not in that frequency of thinking evil, yeah. of, of, of taking from others. You know, we're here to give. So it's just impossible to to think that worst case scenario could happen to you or someone next to you or near you. I, at this point in, in your teaching, like I'm sure that you've had instances, right, where people come in and they have that kind of like, I'm going to walk in here, I'm going to mess all these dudes up, like jujitsu doesn't work on me kind of thing. I've always wondered how does like as the school owner, how do you handle those kind of situations? Because I would imagine that you're very in tune with that type of energy. Like, you know, when someone walks in the door, kind of what they're like. Um, if you see that type of training, that's like overly rough or something like that with your students, like what's the right time to step in and what level of that is actually good? Because I think in some situations, ego can be a positive. You know, if you're trying to get better with your teammates and you both want to get better, having a little bit of ego can actually make you better competitors. But then there's other situations where that ego can be really toxic to an environment or actually take away from other people's ability to learn. So how do you gauge that when you meet people for the first time at your academy? Well, first of all, talking about ego, ego is not like, it's not like your worst enemy. It's also a tool. It's just that you got to be able to activate it and deactivate it as a light switch. You know, like, when am I going to turn my ego on? When I cannot go the extra mile and I'm pushing until the last mile. Or, like, when I cannot finish training session, but the weight's too heavy and I'm going to lift it up in the last set, I will. So that's when ego can be turned on. Now when someone scores a point on you and you get upset and then you lose control, then that's not the best time to activate your ego or not the right purpose right. for ego, right? So I think that blinded ego is terrible for the fighter, but the driven ego is amazing for the fighter. And as well, when someone comes in at the studio, especially a newer person, right? Maybe someone who's already had some fighting experience already so or just someone who thinks they're tough maybe because they have whatever background they had uh, right you know maybe they were into a lot of street fights growing up maybe they were in the military you know and situations that made them tough for many things but at a jiu-jitsu gym doesn't matter that you're tough or not so <laughs> Technique, you'll, you'll find technique. out. Yeah. So when I <laughs> yeah. see that someone is extremely hyped up, 
every round they go like they're gonna murder someone they don't show up more than three four classes right they're just not showing up with their right mindset at jiu-jitsu they're trying to go five people right when someone comes in because they wanna they wanna meet people because they wanna get in shape because they want to learn something new because they want to challenge themselves that's when people stick around right so it's not like jiu-jitsu is not for everyone it's for everyone when the person has the right intention when stepping into a jiu-jitsu gym right so i think that's the big big difference when when we try to funnel students in on a class right maybe you start into a room full of like 10 20 white belts who's gonna make it first of all past the fifth class past the first month right <laughs> they're not saying till yeah. blue belt or till black belt so things get it's not like things are getting tougher for the person but the person's reasons for being there keep getting tested right like mm-hmm. am i here for ego am i here because i want to post pictures that i'm doing something cool and like like i'm a tough person or something like that you won't be able to keep that motivation for 10 years until you become a black belt. Yeah. But when you have yeah. selfless reasons, when you just want to be there because you like being there, because you enjoy your time there, you keep enjoying every single day and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've been enjoying it every yeah. single day. That's that's awesome. So what, what do you think are, when you walk through that example of, the like 20 white belts are in a room and it's that that desire to keep showing up willingness to learn what do you think are the the characteristics that are really important for the lifespan of a jiu-jitsu practitioner things that you should kind of adopt early on to continue to find reasons to show up and show up and show up and show up yeah i think just not comparing yourself to anyone don't compare yourself to your friend who started training the same time as you not comparing to someone who started training after you and got the belt before you, you know, don't compare your, your journey with anyone else. Just, just have fun with the moment, with, with being there, with have, you know, with taking instruction. And if you're not having fun with all that, maybe you're not in the right place. You still do like jiu-jitsu. You got to shop around for a new gym, a new studio. So you find a place that you enjoy going there every day. Of course, life happens. Sometimes people stop training for a couple of weeks got work going on, got life going on, vacation, and then they got back from vacation. It's hard to pick up jiu-jitsu. But people right. eventually try to make it back to training and then keep enjoying that everyday camaraderie of jiu-jitsu, you know, with a cool environment. So if you have a cool environment you know, full of people that are trying to beat you up, but people that try to beat you up and make you better and, and be your friend yeah. and do it with a smile, then that's probably the perfect setting to make it for 10 years of training. Has anyone ever surprised you in that regard where when you first started training with them, you're kind of like, oh, this guy, you know, he's not going to make it. The, the, his head's not in the right place. And they come around and you start to see a shift in, in maybe how they view themselves or they how they view jujitsu. And it starts to increase the, the frequency which with they attend class. Or the other way, where you go, wow, this person's head is so in the right place. Like, they got their head screwed on right. This is awesome. And then they burn out. So uh, I, I always think making assumptions is a, is a terrible idea. Mm. But, but there are some people that 
that go to train, I see that they enjoy it a lot. I enjoy them a lot being there as well. I share time with them. But then all of a sudden they realize that Jiu-Jitsu is not their number one priority, you know, or not the third, not the fifth, not the sixth. Maybe physical activity is not even their priority at all. So right. then it just doesn't match their lifestyle. And they just, they cannot keep on going with it, with this beautiful gift that they're giving. You know, some other people, on the other hand, you see that it's very challenging for them. They're like, really trying hard to learn but they just can't learn you just cannot do the moves maybe they're they're not the best in physical activity and like they're not very coordinated you can see how challenging little things can be but then sometimes those guys like stick around because once they get it they they it's like they appreciate way more that they got to learn something they're like okay i'm not gonna stop now after i pass the hardest stage and I can now like somehow be decent on it and don't stick around long enough. You know, it's just like surfing. Like how many people go to Costco and get a foamy flat soft top. <laughs> yeah. You get a foamy and you go out there for the first time and you get trash. But like trash. You can never even make it to the lineup. Most likely I think it's gotta be a big, big percentage of people that don't make it past that first time that they try surfing. They're like, Oh hell no, this is not oh, for yeah. me. Like not coming back for this to go return that board but people who stick around long enough that i can start you know first of all reading the waves learning how to watch the patterns of the ocean and then learning how to paddle at the right time and positioning themselves in the right place and you know then catching a wave for the first time catching a solid wave for the first time starting to make turns and dropping down size and volume from your board into like a smaller and not being able to unlock so many other things in your game that that's when you're like, Oh shit, this is so cool. I'm not going to give up on this. You know, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, uh, I feel like a nerd when I do this, but I see so, so many parallels in life from jujitsu and the parallels between surfing and jujitsu are really similar. Like, the barrier to entry is huge, you know, to get for someone to take the courage to step on the mat for the very first time, that takes a lot for a lot of people. Maybe they don't come from like an athletic background and, and doing that first step is really big. Getting out in the water for the first time is a big deal. If it's not something that you just grew up doing from when you were a little kid. And then a lot of the progressions and, and the opportunities to leave are always there, right? You could always have that one day that spooks you out in the water and you're like, I'm never surfing again. People have that in training. They have that one training session where they're like, oh, I hyperextended my elbow. I'm never training again. And you're constantly tested, like you said, of like, here's a reason to leave. Here's a reason to leave. Here's a reason to stop. Here's a reason to quit. Here's a reason to quit. But the more you go, like when you find, if you just love being in the water or if you just love being on the mats, both those things are very similar. And when you start to like that part, that's when you actually start to make progress and you start to like, things start to mesh or yeah, you get the wave for the first time and it, something clicks in your head just cause now you're showing up for the right reasons. Yeah. It's, it's not for an Instagram post that, you know, you're trying to right. do it. You're, <laughs> you're doing it because you're, you're thriving with that feeling with whatever you're feeling, what you're doing. And you know, those freaking 30 seconds after being in the water for 30 minutes, <laughs> you know, like making those 30 seconds worth it or, or, being able to appreciate those 30 seconds is 
it's wild, dude. Because we spent most of the time. Yep. I was I was watching this post this week, but this guy Cliff Carpano, and he's like, fifty percent were sitting in the ocean. Mm-hmm. Then another twenty percent were like moderate paddling. Like about ten percent were actually like paddling hard, and like a three yep. percent of the whole time we're in the water were riding a wave. <laughs> so. If it's you're so if you're able I to enjoy sad. that tiny little piece of the whole experience and make that tiny little piece like make it all worth it, you're gonna stick yeah. with it and you're gonna keep on showing up. You're gonna keep wanting more. Yeah. Well, the big difference. I was out out in the uh, in the water this morning and I was thinking about that because I surfed for like two hours and the swell was like good, but it was a little inconsistent. And I was probably out there a little early with the tide. But I got out and I was in my head, I'm like, that was a really fun session. And then I thought about it and I'm like, I think I only, there were like four good waves and I was out there for like two hours. And each one of those is so fun. But yeah, most of the time you're like trying to read the horizon. You're stuck in a rip current. So you're trying to get back. You're, you're paddling up. You're, you're, oh, you're like, oh, it's good over there. I'm going to go over there. And you look back and it's like firing where you just were. And then at the end of the day, you get like, four waves in a two-hour session and something about that is so powerful that you're like i can't wait to surf i mean it's just the quality of it you know when when i go to trestle sometimes i'm like i'm waiting for two hours to get three waves and i'm like dude like it was awesome but (laughs) but i almost i almost drop in on like seven people you like you know and then freaking other three people dropping on me when i was starting to catch up waves i had to like scream people out of the way but then whatever is left is worth it. Like it's just, man. Yeah, you gotta be respectful in the water. You know, you cannot just drop in on anyone and expect to be cool because you got cauliflower ears or because you know how to fight. It just, <laughs> just doesn't work like that. Yeah, it's, it's just, it's just. Yeah, it's like jujitsu. I mean, most of the time, it's kind of old school jujitsu gym. It's like an old school jujitsu gym. It's like where you cannot even talk to the black belts, where you know where white belts cannot ask a higher belt to train. You know, like. It's pretty gnarly, you know, when, when you go to places and, like, you see your everyday locals, then you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make friends with those guys, like, with those 50-year-old guys that are, like, sitting <laughs> on the main break, <laughs> and I'm going to go chat with them yeah. and, like, make my way into the little crowd. And then they all of a sudden, hey, Francisco, like, that's your wave. I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, <laughs> finally, <laughs> no one's going to paddle on me. Like, I'm a good freaking so priority true. on this. So... Yeah, so you gotta you gotta be smart too, you know. Same thing when you're a new guy at jiu-jitsu, you show up, man. You want to be friends with the tough guy in training, not because you don't want the tough guy to not beat you up. You want the tough guy to teach you stuff. You want to learn from the tough guy. Yeah. You know, when I go to jiu-jitsu gyms, when I go to train anywhere in the world, when I go to my friends' gyms and train, I want the toughest training. Like I go to Clark's, I go train with Clark about once a week, two times a week when I'm lucky, and like. Yeah. I don't only want to roll with him the first round. I want to roll with him the last round too. And like, I want to do multiple rounds with him. Like I'm not down for the easy round. I don't, I don't go to train to make me yeah. feel good about myself. I go to train to like get the toughest training that I can to make me better. Right. So you yeah. always want to partner up with the toughest guy. Even if the toughest guy in the room beats the crap out of you, go for it. That's awesome. Cause they no one else outside is going to be the crap out of you like that you know yeah i think there's a there's like a mental challenge and i i find myself 
doing this from time to time. Like if I train, I always train like four days a week, but I'll keep going and going and going. And then I'll, I'll find this spot where like, I almost start avoid, I find myself wanting to avoid that. And that's when I know I have to double down on it. You know, like if I start, I start to feel like I'm choosing roles that are, I don't want to call them easier, but less challenging. I'm like, you know, no, <laughs> you need to choose the ones that are tough because it's better to get mopped, like get the floor mopped with you than to take the easier role because that one's not going to teach you the way that the other one yeah, will. Yeah. And that's a, me a mental barrier to get over with, to seek difficulty. That's a hard thing to do as a person, to seek it out. Right. If it, if you're in class and professor pairs you up with a tough role, uh, it's a roll of the dice. But to actively pursue it is a different mindset that's hard to constantly operate at. Yeah, I think the key to be good in many sports, not say all sports, is to thrive on difficult times, to thrive on. Mm -hmm an awkward situation, a tough situation. Like you want to become addicted to being in a bad spot, pretty much. Like you want to be addicted to suffering because only yeah. suffering is going to get the best out of you. You know, you only know yourself when you're pushed to the boiling point. Like if I go with the toughest round in the last round after doing seven rounds of seven, like that's when I know how I'm going to react with a tough person when I'm tired. Like, Let's do it. Yeah. You know, that's that's what you want to be seeking. The most uncomfortable, most uncomfortable situation that you can be in. You know, whether it's training jiu-jitsu, whether it's uh, lifting weights. Like, there's people who only surf. This is like four feet and glassy and like offshore and freaking sunny and 70 degree weather. Yeah. But like... <laughs> in board charts. Yeah. What about the yeah. day that is freaking cold as hell, kind of windy, freaking crazy <laughs> current. The, the yeah. sets are just like short period, like just wave after wave after wave. And like, yeah. you have to paddle a tongue and like dog dive probably more than you're paddling. Like sometimes like you do need that. And some, you know, sometimes those days that you score and like you're all by yourself out there. So same thing with training, like you gotta be seeking the uncomfortable, not the easy, like I go lift weights and like, I do the same program or the same type of training since I'm like 15 years old, about 16 actually. I work with these trainers since then, KP, shout out to Kevin Paretti, one of the best physical trainers for Jiu Jitsu athletes. He trained Bernardo Faria, trained Lucas Lepri, uh, Dylan Danny wow. trained Mansher trained Jani. No, I'm not sure if Jani did train oh, with I'd him. I'd love to have him on. It'd uh, be great, train, great to talk train to him. Like train Vera Toscano. Man, he trained so many people. He he actually fixed me once. We were sharing the mat while we were training. I was a purple training with Lucas Lepri and I dislocated my shoulder. He put my shoulder. Put it back in. He put my shoulder back yeah. in two weeks before Worlds. I ended up competing Worlds. He gave me therapy every single day. Up to words, and wow. I got third, uh, purple of the world. I mean, after fighting like six matches with a dislocated shoulder two weeks before, so I mean, the guy's a, a great physical therapist and trainer as well. Well, Manhattan, New York, that's where he's at, and yeah, he's been giving me my program ever since he relocated my shoulder 
and he's been taking care of my my conditioning and yeah even though i do the same workout like at the same time of the year like i know what's coming i know how suffering is gonna be i still show up i still get it done some days it's harder than others you know even though i'm lifting the same yeah. weight some days i'm not feeling the best and you know those 25 pounds same, feel a yeah, lot I mean, heavier I've... than usual and that's how it is but you just gotta thrive on it and once you're done dude if you can finish your day and you've done something you didn't want to do you did something uncomfortable you did something hard you feel good at night dude i do Hell i feel yeah. amazing when yes. when, <laughs> when i i went to train hard then i did my weights i freaking even went surfing took my kid to the playground have fun with him cook meal for the family then i go at night i'm like dude, i didn't stop all day but for what a great <laughs> great purpose like it was an amazing sure. day <laughs> when you're i i got a question about the um this pursuit of difficulty because i've always found it interesting with high level practitioners whether it's in mixed martial arts or in your case in jiu-jitsu like the, the better you get the the more that you're the best person in the room and th that's not always the case it's not to say that every time you walk into a studio that you're going to be the the most talented person there but in some cases, you are. And so how do you find that difficulty? The way that you use, you know, when you're a purple belt, you can probably find a really difficult match or a challenging match easily because you're not as skilled as you are now. Now that you've been doing this for so long and you, you are at, you know, the pinnacle and you own a studio and you teach other people how to improve their game, how do you still find that challenge? And how do you still find people that bring that out of you, like that truly test you and keep sharpening that iron like that. A lot of people, and for a second, also in my career, I thought I could do things by myself. You can never do things alone. You need to ally yourself with people that, that can push you. If no one else is pushing you or no one else is beating you up, you got to go find it somewhere else. Be friends with some other tr guy that trains at a different gym that is tough training and go get some roles in. Like you need to, you need to, you cannot be the, you cannot be the toughest guy in the room. And if you are, get a handful of people that are at least 60% as tough as you, get as many rounds in with the less breaks you can. And th yeah. those guys are going to be tougher when you're tired. So it's about not cheating in your training. You know, when you train, like, dude, you train with me and like, I wasn't trying to hurt you. I was trying to like push extra hard on you. I was trying to beat you up, but we moved. We moved. You did a seven-minute yeah. round. No, I think we did a seven-minute round, and they were all sevens. For the record, they were all sevens. <laughs> Dude, like we didn't stop moving the whole seven minutes. That's how training should yeah. be, and that doesn't mean that I'm gonna tap yeah. you out seven times in seven minutes. But I might try to pass your guard like at least five, six times, and like sweep you at least five, six yeah. times as well, like. I'm not trying to move a lot. I don't need to squeeze your neck that many times. No, because that's not the, the point of it. Like, what if my that day I'm trying to train my passing? Like, I want to get to pass a lot. So, then I put you in the position that you're best at. And from there, figure it out and get out of it. And then make my move. And then, okay, let's reset. Catch and release. And we go again. That's the only way to keep on moving. Because if I take your back in the first 30 seconds and then we don't move for the next six minutes, it's... It's almost yeah. like that that round didn't happen. You know, I just squeeze, and squeeze you see something. That a lot. You do see that. Yeah. You know, like you it, see... you'll see in training, 
Well, two things. One, you'll see in this happens where there will be a drill to be done. And people do the drill for like 10 reps. And then they start talking about their weekend or they start talking about family or, or surfing or something. And now they're not doing the drill. Or people will take the position that they know that they're good at and hold it. And then, the, the you know, like you, you would put me in a position Right, like we were talking about this, uh, like this turtle arm trap. Right, I'd roll out into turtle, and you trap my arm. You could have just kept my arm trapped the whole time, the whole time, the whole seven minutes, but you didn't. You would release it and move to something else, and it kept me working the whole time. And you got really good movement in, so it felt like a, a more productive way of going through that. Like there was no rest, but you were also letting me. Like you were letting me try to work and try to improve on what I was getting wrong while also not letting me rest in the process. So it felt really productive. Yeah, we, we both took advantage of those seven minutes, let's say. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean. Why, why do you like seven versus five? Well, yeah, we, we, we changed it up. Dude. Like at the gym, no yeah. one, like not even me, like I'm not expecting that day to be one way or another because some day people yeah. show up, some other people, some other day, more people show up, some other people, sometimes we're odds, sometimes we're even numbers. So like, we got to switch it up a little bit more. So it's got to be creative at the moment. And then just keep people guessing, right? We show up on Friday noon, they don't know if they're going to be doing positional sparring, they don't know if they're going to be doing seven minute rounds, if they're going to be doing rounds of three minutes, or today we did groups of three people, two runs of five, and then a five-minute break. And then we just kept on rotating, and then at the end, we did a few seven-minute rounds. So, like, yeah, they don't know. They don't know if the door's going to be closed or the door's going to be open. Uh, are you going to be able to <laughs> I love you going to be able to breathe that day? Uncertainty. Are you going to be able to breathe that day? And yeah. that's not all the classes, right? That's our known class that is mostly, you know, people who are higher belts. Like, we rarely got a white belt in that class, uh, that class not for beginners at all it's for people who know what they're doing of course people from all ages show up right uh, different backgrounds as well some people who are in a little better shape than others and of course people will do as much as they can sometimes i tell people to take more breaks if i see like their body needs it i always keep asking people hey you need a break are you feeling good like i read people's faces right because suffering a lot i like that you're suffering but why don't we give you a break for five minutes or three minutes and then you can suffer again with a smile on your face so I try to make sure that I'm reading the crowd as well, not pushing them more than they should, because that's when injuries happen as well. So it's a bit of my job as a as a trainer, as a fitness coach, to preserve my client's integrity, my my client's health, but also want right. people who are next to me to challenge themselves, to thrive, to like and like rub them a little bit of my uh, energy onto them, of like not settling for the easier round and pushing past their limits the same day, same time that I take care of them and make sure that they're healthy and they can come back the next day as well. So it takes time also when to I, be able to so read I, that. I got a question about uh, like training, uh, maybe mindset, but more like theory, because if I think back to all the people that I've talked to that grew up training in South America or grew up training in Brazil, there seemed to be to like this general toughness that's present in the, in the studio all the time where like, they're like, Oh, it was just, it was hard rolls. 
Always. It was always hard roles. What are your thoughts on, on like toughness, creating tough practitioners and then regulating that intensity kind of like you're talking about as like, you know, you have the responsibility to these students. You want to make sure that people are training at their best. When is one good and one's better? Like to me, it seems like in some situations it would be good to have that grit and that like, no, we're just, it's, it's hard training all the time kind of weed out the people that don't want to train that way. And the, the rest of us will develop, you know, like mental toughness and physical toughness and put skill on top of that. And then you have basically everyone that came out of Brazil and South America or this newer approach where it's like a regulation of intensity. Like, what do you think is the best way to go about training? And are we losing out on something today because we're training differently than they were back in Brazil? Well, uh, to be honest, like I don't think we train that much different than when I was in Ecuador here. Uh, the only thing is that we don't put nicknames of people. Everyone's called by their name. <laughs> and we clean our geese after every practice. We only train with a clean gi. That's everything that changed. Uh, when you went out there to train, I'm pretty sure you bump into like another five Ecuadorian kids. Like we have people from Ecuador that came here and then we keep the same lifestyle on the mats. Like we're all having fun on the mat, playing cool music, uh, just camaraderie, being friends. But we push it hard. Like we can turn that on and off. Like when it's time to train, we give ourselves like, I'm gonna bring help to my friends. And then right after yeah. we're gonna be both laying on the ground, freaking shaking our hands, happy and like finish training and just chill together. Maybe like if it's Friday noon, afternoon class sometimes we go to the corner store get a beer like drink a beer right. sip it together have fun you know talk a little bit about our week just hang out like we don't trip about training you know like i have my homies training with me johnny tama comes over a lot all the ecuadorian kids that are tough as hell my students as well got clark brandon walensky all these guys come over too to give some good roles and have fun with us. And, you know, after training, like, we're laughing, we're cracking jokes, we're talking about different stuff. Maybe we get opportunity to hang out over the weekend. We're not sore about tapping out to my friend or yeah. none of that, you know. We, that's what we're there for. Like, the best training session for me is the one that you tap me out, the one I tap you out. Like, we both got something yeah. and, like, we both went after it and and... That's it. We're exhausted. We got a good training in. Got an amazing session. We're healthy. We can walk out of there laughing and having fun. We're good. So, I think that that's what I I I brought with me from Ecuador. Not only a a place where people go train, a place where people go enjoy. And of course, not everyone can stay after class and you know crack jokes for half an hour and stretch and then get a beer at the store. You know, you gotta maybe go pick up your kids. Go pick up. You know, right. whatever, go to the wrong errands, go back to work. You know, you know, people have a busy lifestyle as well, but we, we're enjoying. We're, we're not only there to, like, beat each other up and, like, eyeball each other and, like, treat every round like this, as if it was a competition round, like, as on the way that I don't want to lose against my partner. But I'm there to try my best to, to get a good training session, not for myself, but for my training partner as well. You know, that's why I, like... Yeah. I like the toughest rounds, man. Not because 
like I think I can beat them, but because that's the only way that I can do the best for myself to make my day worth it and make my partner's day worth it as well. How do you keep yourself healthy? What's healthy, dude? <laughs> like, like your, like, how do you keep your body in a state where you can train at this frequency and intensity for this many years? Because so many people quit because they get hurt once oh, or because yeah. they get hurt twice. You know, like, how do you take care of yourself? Well, number one, number one, when you're training a lot, often. It can happen, right? You can get hurt walking your dog. You can get hurt freaking surfing. I got hurt bad because I longboard off a, without a leash, let go of the board on the white water while I was dog diving, let go of his longboard, hit me on the head. I had to get like 17 stitches. Gnarly, 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 gnarly injury. Three layers of stitches. Dude, it was gnarly really bad blood everywhere. Like I was afraid I was gonna have like a concussion. I was in the water when this happened. I had to like paddle back to shore. Thankfully the person that was responsible for this uh, drove behind me to the hospital. He brought me some water, some snacks, some some protein bars so I could have my sugar up. Like he, he wasn't an asshole. He was like doing his best. You can tell he was yeah, super yeah. scared. I told dude like yeah. just if you're not Joel Tudor, wear a leash. Straight up. Yeah. Yeah. So Louder. Uh, dude, injuries can happen anytime. So you, you got to yeah. be in peace and accept that your lifestyle is not just like any other person's lifestyle. You can have an injury any moment. You got to accept it, heal it, keep going with your life. It's part of the road. Acceptance, being able to accept it. If you're not able to accept it and you keep blaming others because of an injury, keep building anger, playing in your head a thousand scenarios where you couldn't have got hurt. You're not at peace. You, 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 this is going to mess up with your head big time, and that's when you're going to be afraid of coming back and doing it. You've got to accept this an accident. Life happens. Life is full of beautiful stuff, beautiful times, some other challenging times, but we got to accept it. When you can accept that, injuries will go by. It's just a chapter that you flipping through pages and you're going to get to the next page, start all over again reading, right? You don't hold into that injury, into the reasons of that injury. Of course, bigger injuries is harder to let go, right? Emotionally, but only when you let go and you fully accept it and you focus on recovering and what you can do with whatever you got is when you can actually heal and go up to the next stage and keep on going, keep on moving forward. Don't blame yourself, not blaming others. Don't, don't put in on that energy. That's not really good in an injury. It just, it just keeps that inflammation around. It just doesn't let it heal. You know, you're, you're just channeling that, that sickness, that, that disability, that whatever it is, manifesting it on a daily basis, on, a, on an hourly basis, that's just going to stay there because you, you're bringing it back. The moment you let go of it, you move forward. You do what you can at the moment. Every step that you take is going to help you to heal and recover. And you're going to be able to do the best in no time again. So, yeah, you just got to accept that. And now from preventive, right? Uh, noon class in our school is the only class that we don't have a stretching session after. Uh, I stick around and stretch a bit, but we do teach our students how to stretch. Like, just take 
10 minutes of your day to stretch at least a bit, yep. making sure that, that you're, you're like a little more calibrated, that you don't, mm -hmm. you're not all messed up. Get some stretching in, drink tons of water, at least a gallon of water a day. If you can drink some more electrolytes, so coconut water, uh, element tea, liquid IV, salt in your water, whatever you can do to make your water absorption better. Amazing, do it as well. Resting, being able to rest. Uh, it's hard when you got a newborn, you got a little kid at home. I was going to ask you about that next, man. How do you do it? We're, we're blessed that my wife can take care of my kid full time. And when he was at yeah. the stage that he'll wake up a lot, mom will take care of him. And then I had to rest because I had to go to work the next day. But uh, now we can sleep the whole night. He doesn't wake up. Sometimes he wakes up like right before I'm about to go to sleep. I get in the room with him for a couple of minutes, crashes again, all good to go. But being able to sleep well, I like taking yeah. a nap, man. I like taking a nap, 20, 30 minute nap. Sometimes an hour nap if I have the time. Napping as well so you're refreshed to go into the next session, to your next commitments of the day, right? It's We're taking a lot mentally, physical-wise. When you're a studio teaching all morning, lifting weights, taking care of your child, get a good reset, yeah. get a good reset. Quick nap, gonna come back, shower, gonna feel refreshed again, ready for the next part of your day. So I'm, I'm a big fan of napping, it helps me. Yeah recover and like split the day and yeah, if you keep it forward. short that's super powerful like those little quick 20 minute that's like a major recharge and hey if i got the time i'll take it longer i, don't, I mean <laughs> i don't discriminate i don't discriminate longer now well, you're you're a parent now so i get i get whatever get what i can. can yeah whatever yeah. i can if i can get a 20 minute that's all i got that's all i got and someone cancels a class on me okay i'm gonna sleep for 15 minutes it's all good like, where does uh, yeah, like where does your something. strength training fit into that? You're you still strength train now, even though you're not like currently competing, right? Or are you going to compete this year? Well, Masters. yeah, I I competed. Uh, I haven't competed in like four years. I did a super fight last year. I think yeah, last year. Uh, I did LA Open about a month and a half ago. I won. I'm doing San Diego Open next weekend. Nice. Uh, I was thinking about doing nationals and masters worlds. That was the goal this year. I set up a goal in December. I was like, I want to do master worlds. I don't really want to do it. I want to win master worlds. I won world championships, couple in blue belt, a few in purple belt as well. And I just never get a world championship as a black belt. I got third at worlds, not get worlds once as a black belt, but I think winning worlds is a black belt. So going back and doing it for masters, it'll be, it'll be a fun task. I'm in great shape. The division is not any easier. Of course, it's not 10 minutes. Right. It's going to be six minutes. It's a lot more fun, but it doesn't mean easier. It's going to be able to push it all for six minutes and not get tired. And then you still got to do like six, seven matches. But, but I thought it was a good challenge. I was reading David Goggins a lot in the transition to the new year. <laughs> yeah. I was reading David going in the transition of the new year and I was like, man, my life's too easy. It's like, I'm too comfortable right now. Even though yeah. I tried to suffer a little bit here and then, but I wanted to suffer a little more. And also last year, uh, Roberto Jimenez, you know, he's, he's a little kid, 
know his family as well since I was a little kid and he came over stayed with me for like a month before worlds last year and he was like hey I want to do worlds it's just that like I want to train here with you for some time and let's do it so I was like oh damn let's go so like I had to show up to every single training session I wasn't even going to compete but I I was like, I'm going to train and see if I was going to be Worlds for this guy. So I had another student, Bluebell, who got third at Worlds last year as well. We trained hard, us three, every single day. And that kind of like flicked the fire again in me. And I was like, well, I can still keep up with this much training. I can still do fairly good with high-level people. So why not competing? I want my kid to... It's not saying that my kid's not proud of me, but like, I want my, I want my <laughs> kid to, you. I want my kid to see me winning some stuff, to see me like pushing myself out of my comfort zone. It's not like, oh, I run a gym, I go surf, I chill, yeah. ride the bicycle to the playground, blah, 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 we're good, <laughs> oh, amazing, you know, like, I want my kid to grow up and like, damn, my, my dad put himself into like, really uncomfortable positions that he didn't need to, but he got there and he found a way. And he made it happen and he ended up being successful out of it. So I want to translate that mentality to my kid as well. You know, Was it, that something that you looked up to in your father? Dude, yeah. I think being a father changed a lot of things on me. Uh, you know, I had no other reason to fight anymore. Like, yeah, just like do stuff for myself, I guess. But when you have a kid, when you have someone that you're trying to teach him lessons or not only teach him a lesson, but somehow teach a culture in your house, like lead a type of culture. You know, I work out every day. I put myself to awkward situations all the time. My wife, because of that, she's thriving and going to hot yoga, the hottest yoga class that she can go. And she also puts herself to tough situations. She comes back home. She's like, she looks like a shrimp. She's like cooked <laughs> from yoga. And like... Yeah. Now she's doing like these barrier classes that are like kicking her butt and like, wow, that's awesome. Like that's yeah. the culture we want to have at home. Then my kid's going to grow up. He's not going to be sitting playing video games. He's not going to be on an iPad. Like mommy and daddy and going after it and getting it, he's going to be able to get it too. Like that's what he's going to grow up doing. Yeah. I, I, I owe that to my parents because my mom was a, uh, body fitness competitor, bikini competitor. My dad was a bodybuilder as well. So, like, I could see my parents put themselves through horrible diets, like eating freaking oatmeal. Oh, that's the toughest stuff. Boiled, the po boiled potatoes, boiled yeah. chicken, freaking tuna, no salt. Then a week before their show, they had to be like, drink no water. Dude. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to do that. Torture. Like, that Torture. sucks. That sucks. But guess what? Like, they were thriving on those situations. They loved it's it. Adversity, they like it. Right? It's so, finding finding uncomfortable situations to challenge exactly. yourself in because it makes you a better person. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's somehow a feeling of accomplishment, right? I think that it, while the humans were evolving, we were constantly under tough situations like all of a sudden it rains we don't have a roof like find shelter like yeah. uh, it's getting colder let's find some more food let's find something we can cover ourselves with like 
we had so many challenges and now growing up, we don't have many challenges. And then what we do when we don't have many challenges? What we do when we have any challenge? We don't have any challenges, Abe. When we don't have any? Yeah, oh, you what do you do? You become stagnant. You just, you become You create boring. challenges. You create challenges in your head. Oh, what do we do? Yeah. Do we yeah, no, I go seek head? it out everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, why exactly. I train jiu-jitsu every day of the week. <laughs> and, and if you don't do that, then you're going to be challenging oh, yourself. Mind. Like, then you challenge yourself solving that little shit. Like, if yeah. you have a small problem around something so insignificant, you're going to turn that into, like, the biggest problem in the world because somehow our bodies seek that being uncomfortable being like difficulty and if you don't do difficult stuff for sure that are difficult you're gonna make stuff that are not difficult a lot more difficult you're gonna complicate your life for little stuff if i don't get to train like if i don't get to strength train like do my strength training regimen and if i don't get to go train jujitsu like if if we're traveling and for whatever reason i can't do either of those because i always try to train when i'm abroad or if we're traveling or whatever I start to lose my mind. It is not good for me. Like I'm, I am very much. My well-being is dependent on whether or not I can have physical exertion and challenges in my life. A hundred percent. Yeah, and man. it is. It's hard without that. Yeah, and you gotta get up, and also you you need people around you to understand that as well. Like my wife understands it. I'm like, hey, baby, like sometimes we're on vacation, like. Just a few months ago, more, more a little bit over a month, we were in Europe, and we're at a hotel in Barcelona. And then my wife's like getting ready to sleep. She's like ordering food service, and then I'm getting ready. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm going to the gym, run five miles." <laughs> and she's like, "It's like 10 p.m. Like, <laughs> what's going on, dude?" And I'm like, "Baby." If I don't get these five miles in, I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be in peace with myself. It's like, okay, go, you're crazy. Go do it. She she says always, like, I just love you. Like, and she, so it's like, she just, gets you. She you gets just, you. She gets just, it. I just got to love him. That's it. Yep. Like, don't understand him. Don't try to make him change his mind. Just just love him. That's what she says. You've so, been, yeah, uh, have you, you trained at, um, at Longman Jiu-Jitsu on Kauai? I haven't, dude. Man, I know, I know Hunter since he was a blue belt back in yeah. Miami. Yeah, I lived yeah. in Miami also for some time. My my mom lives I there. I think that's how I originally but, like got connected with you because when I was in Kauai, I trained at Longman, and then because of that, I met not I didn't meet face to face, but I was put in touch with Hunter and then have hit him. But the same thing happened. Like we were in Kauai for a week for a wedding, and I was like, I gotta. I I love you, babe. But I gotta go train now. And so, like, I found I like looked it up, and I was like, oh, cool. There's one in Hanalei, and I went, and I just got my ass kicked for like an hour, and I left there, and I felt so much better. And I came back, and I was like, you know, back on earth. It just felt so good. No, you're it's in paradise. You're in paradise yeah. out there in Hawaii, and then you go yeah. self-inflict hell on you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go back and freaking yeah. drink your daiquiri. Yeah, man, that's. It's That's so, living. It's, it's, it's too beautiful. It's too nice. But I'm not sweating. I'm not running. I'm like, I need to spend some energy. Yeah, it's different when I travel. Usually, I, I try to book a couple seminars. Number mm-hmm. one, because I, I do crave that math time and like yeah. 
some interaction and meeting people that otherwise I wouldn't be able to meet. Like you can only meet someone for so much or get intimate with someone where you're like at a cafe and you meet someone or whatever. But when you go train with someone, like you're both laying down on the ground and then while you catch your breath, you're like chatting about stuff and then get intimate and like, hey, recommend me some stuff. Like, oh yeah, you should go check out this, check out that. It's like, I always like traveling or training while I'm traveling. It just yeah. I always think that I, I pick up the best restaurants, I pick up the best yeah. the places to go, some of the local knowledge from going yeah. to YouTube studio and making friends with, with a true local, someone who's who 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 can guide me a little better where I'm traveling and, and I'm a complete tourist. And also I think that once you're a black belt and, and you've done many tournaments or you're known for something you got people who want to learn from you and you know try to yeah. book a couple seminars helps me pay for the trip a little bit as well but, but just being able Tax to see people and do it and, and also dude like i bump into someone who i trained with five years ago let's say last time yeah. i went to europe to spain was about six seven years ago and my friend who became my black belt ivan out there in almeria south of spain he had his wife was pregnant and now I came by, his kid's like six and a half years old. Uh, being able to go back to that place and wow, seeing like how much their life has changed. He's now in a beautiful gym. Uh, his business is growing and, you know, life has changed for him. It's, it's cool to not be, not being able to see someone, not being able to catch up really with someone for so long. And then you see them again and wow, like life has changed a lot, but I'm glad that we can still see each other now and and have fun and enjoy and and you see how much you've grown over yeah. this time you know and well and you you mentioned like this filter earlier how like to get to jiu-jitsu you've kind of gone through these filters to get there and when you're traveling somewhere else outside of where you live and you go you meet other people that have gone through that same filter. And so there's this kind of like, whether it's getting a restaurant recommendation like you're talking about or finding out about some super cool coffee shop that like nobody else goes to, uh, you just get, you build this camaraderie and then you get to meet cool people in different places that like you might stay in touch with for a super long time. You know, it's very, there's so many places that I've been fortunate enough to go and train at I always leave there feeling like I like I there's another friend, right? Like I could call that person later that week and be like, I really need your help. And they would actually show up, even though I just met them. Because you like you just build this this camaraderie. It's super cool. Yeah, and as well, living in San Diego, right? A lot of people come back and visit. So yeah. Usually a lot of people that I visited in a lot of remote places of the world. They made their way to San Diego and they reach out to me and say, hey, I'm in San Diego. Like, I want to go train with yeah. you. I'm like, hey, let's go. Like, we go train. Right after we go get lunch. Uh, same thing when I'm traveling out. And now they're looking forward to to take me out somewhere to lunch after training. Now, usually jiu-jitsu people, they know some, something of craft beer. So they bring you to a good right. brewery <laughs> to get a nice brew. So, like, yeah, it's like most likely you're going to have people with, with a similar culture than yours. So that makes it super cool when you're traveling and you're meeting people where you're traveling who do similar things that you do or who do who enjoy things that you do right jiu-jitsu right. guys they know like 
the good restaurants, they go, they know the good acai spot, they know the good brewery, right. you know, if, if you're somewhere where you're surfing, you can ask for some break recommendations where to yeah. surf. Yeah, dude, when I went to Oahu, I was like, after my jiu-jitsu class, I was like, okay, dude, like, what's the place to surf? Like, I don't want to freaking be sitting at a break with like a hundred people and waiting for a yeah. wave, you know, like, what's the spot where I should go surf? They told me about Sandy Beach in Oahu. That's a east side of the island. Super chill. Like, literally, like, I was surfing, and it was, like, two other people in the water. And, of course, respectful. You know, I don't want to be a gnarly howly. So yeah. go <laughs> talk to them, you know, tell them, hey, I'm not from here. I'm from San Diego. Tell me about this place. Like, what's up with this break? Like, should I catch the left, the right? Like, is there rocks okay. down there? Is it gnarly here? Like, what's the tide like? What, like, when should I surf it? And uh, you get some of that insight, right? Because we all know you should, you should go to that spot, the low tide, mid tide, whatever it is, go early in the morning or whatever it is they give you insight on. You can get to experience a place a lot better if you have some of that no local knowledge. And thankfully, with jiu-jitsu, we have that. I'm pretty sure people who go to a CrossFit gym may experience similar. I was uh, going to say, similar now, culture. Yep. Similar culture, just because you're doing something that you already do every day with a group of people with a culture that you're used to. Therefore, there has well, to be you're, similar you're like, things to enjoy. You know, your exertion, There, I think that there's something special about exertion. Like when you go to a CrossFit gym or, or if you drop into a studio and you train, it's the physical output. Like you look right and Francisco's training super hard. You look left, and this guy's training super hard. And you're like, all right, I'm going to train super hard. And when you all do that together in the same place, something ha like there's something about that that I think is unique. It's not like showing, you know, like you go to a coffee shop, you, just, you meet someone, it's, it's cool, but it's not like you haven't put in that work, like that sweat equity. Uh -huh. It doesn't like, elevate. Like, that was hard. Uh -huh. It doesn't elevate your energy, absolutely. Exactly. Uh -huh, That's yeah. what it is. Yeah, we have we have a saying in between like our group of friends when I was growing up. It's like if you're with us and you're the least talented and you're like not the best person at jiu-jitsu, eventually you'll become a lot tougher than any other people outside this room because yep. you're just constantly with us with that energy that is just freaking high intensity. Like you're going to be so comfortable on that energy that you're already gonna yeah. be over anybody else who's at a different gym who doesn't have that vibe, right? Yeah. So there's a saying in in, in Portuguese or in, in Jiu-Jitsu, right? In Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, they say, it's better to be the tail of the lion than the head of the mice. So being the smallest and like the least uh, attributed fighter, the least skillful of everyone in the room is better than being the top dog in the right, in, a small pond. in the small pond. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's totally yeah. true. I mean, you're not getting. I guess it depends what your ultimate goals are. But like, if your goals are to be challenged and to develop and to learn skill and to improve it would be better to be getting smashed every day by people that are much better than you than to just be dominating people that are way less skilled than you. 
because Absolutely. you're you are getting better even and I, I think that's something that people struggle with in jujitsu is they feel like they're not improving when in reality they're improving a lot because you improve in little little adjustments like where your hips are where your elbows are your head position uh, your body position if you're al allowing people to gain space on you if you're eliminating space and those are happening whether you know it or not when you're training with someone that's more skilled than you and you know those people who get smashed get smashed get smashed and, and they just keep going they keep going and they keep going and then all of a sudden they're a different person and they're more skilled and they are they're like calm and they have this collectedness about them. And I, I've seen it so many different times. It's so cool. It's like one of the most rad parts about jujitsu is it actually changes the way that somebody is in the world. Absolutely. I think the way you see problems, the way you see adversity, the way you see challenges, just changes. I think you, you just get a whole different confidence that, that you can take any challenge, a, any challenge that it is, no matter the size, no matter the, the color, the shape of the challenge, you're still going to be able to, to put up a fight. I have students, man, they, they get tough. They got so tough since they started training with me, right? I welcome a few students, blue belt, purple belts. Now they're brown, uh, purple belts. They're, they got so much better. And they still tell me like, hey, I cannot even score a point on you. Like, I can I can I can do shit on you, professor. I can do nothing on you still. And I'm like, dude, you're getting better. You have no idea how much better you've got. But yep. guess what? As you're getting better, I'm getting better too. Like yep. I haven't chilled. I'm still getting better. So that's what people don't realize when they're getting better. They compare as I said at the beginning, right? You compare your journey with someone else. Or you compare yourself with your other training partner. And you're like, shit, like I'm not getting better because this guy's still beating me up. But that right. guy is also getting better. We're all getting better collectively. Like, you know, rising high, yeah. rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. We're all getting better here. It's just that you don't realize because you're still getting beat up by your partners. Doesn't mean that you're not getting better until someone else shows up from a different gym who's also a blue belt. And then you're like, oh, damn, like I can do all this stuff on this <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, oh, wow. So yeah. I guess I am getting better. Right. I think so, that, that that reason, that is one reason why I think it's important. And I don't know if this is like taboo culturally in jiu-jitsu, but I really like training at different places from time to time because it's uncomfortable because you don't know anything about the people that you're training with. So you're out of, you're out of knowing your opponents, knowing your, your teammates, knowing their skills, their weaknesses, their strengths, where you have advantages disadvantages and it puts you in this environment where you really have to like use what you know mm -hmm. so you take all the skill that you've learned throughout your time training and it, not to say and not like go in and be an asshole and try to like just fight everyone but you go in and you kind of actually see like where are the skills that i've been learning where can i actually apply them or it shows areas of uh, opportunity to get better you know even when i got to come and train with you guys it was so awesome because i was we had all these different intensities and there. I left going like there are some things that I want to work on that I, I wouldn't have noticed if I was back at my academy, you know, because I wasn't pushed there by the people that I train with all the time. There's no fault to them and or me. It's just it's nice to get out and to see like to be out of that, to be new in a place again, you know. 
Yes, absolutely. That's why I go train with Clark, go train with Johnny. A couple of weeks ago, Johnny's been training at AOJ, so he took me down to AOJ. Man, that was a cool experience. Uh, I've that trained place at, is so rad, dude. I've trained at high-level places before. I trained three years at Cobrinha. Like, dude, to train at Cobrinha's at that time, I had to do a camp for myself before showing up to Cobrinha again to train. Like, if I was out really? of town training around, teaching seminars, I knew, like, okay, May 31st, I'm going to be back at Cobrinha's in L.A. training. Those two, three weeks before, two, three weeks before, I'm already doing like six rounds of 10 minutes. I'm like pushing it hard on the mic, getting ready. So when I go back to Cobrinas, I'm like in shape to be able to do yeah. the whole class. Like, Damn. and then you look around and you see freaking Isaac Dodderlines right there. Here's your first match. Then Cobrinha is your second yeah. round. Then Johnny Tama is my third. And then your fourth is your heavyweight purple belt guy who just got third at Pan Ams and he's freaking tough as hell so like already being a top gyms like that i went to aoj three days after i got back from europe i was like having training two weeks drinking beer every single day <laughs> and like jet like when i got back but i was like johnny's like hey pick you up let's go to aoj i'm like it's gonna suck let's do it yeah. I love it. <laughs> Let's get it. And then I went out there and freaking it was hell. This training, non stopping, rounds of three minutes, which is high intensity. You may think I was like, I'd rather do five minute rounds than three minutes. Three minutes is too short. Yeah, three minutes when you're going a thousand percent and then you go to the next Brutal. three minute round a thousand percent, like you're going to get tired, dude. So there's no chance to rest in a three minute match. So. Yeah, dude, when the high intensity, and I was like, oh, Jesus, like, I had an amazing time. It was fun training. And then got me right back. So if you come back from a trip and you haven't done anything, a lot of people say, oh, you got to go easy eating, you know, go through the stage that you first start moving a little bit, doing some light weights, do a few rounds only. Dude, I advise people to do that too. For me, it doesn't work. I come back the first day back, I'm already doing my wrong, I'm doing my lifting, I'm doing jiu-jitsu, I'm surfing, doing everything I want. Second day, I do it the same way. Maybe the third way, I'm sore, maybe my lower back hurts. I take a day off, fourth day, I'm back at a thousand percent again. And I'm back in shape. Within a week, I'm back. I'm good. Yeah. But I went up to uh, sitting, to... different. I went up to Costa Mesa to pick up a surfboard and this was like, I don't know, this is like eight months ago. And I was like, dude, I, I got to go train there because I'm up here. So I, I like called ahead and I just went in and did like a, a drop in at AOJ. And it's such a sick academy. Like just like the, just the aesthetic of it, like with all the white and the concrete and the artwork and stuff. And I went and I walked by this dude when I walked in who had like, huge cauliflower ears right super nice guy but he was like very clearly the dude i don't know who it was but he he clearly trains a lot and uh we went through and like we did some really cool technique stuff and then we did like some light rolls and then i i stood up and i was like looking for a partner and he was like let's train and i just got throttled dude for like just throttled for like six minutes straight i mean it was such a tough roll and I was so happy at the end. Like, it, I just got wrecked. And 
I drove home like so stoked. It just felt so good to be pushed outside of the comfort zone again like that. I don't know what it is, but the, like that feeling is very hard to to replicate. I think it's one of the reasons why this stuff is so fun because it it gives you something you can't go buy. You can't go buy the feeling of having trained super hard. You have to do it. Yeah, absolutely. You got to put in that work and yeah. is it possible to recreate that that feeling any other way? Uh, and you really got to earn it. That's yeah. pretty much how it goes. You got to you got to earn that feeling and it may take 40 minutes of exhaustion. It may take 20 minutes of a high intensity workout. Sometimes I do rower to 2000 meters as fast as I can. That's about seven minutes of a workout. feels like hell. I'm about to puke, but yep. it's about the intensity that I put in, right? The life that you put into, into your workout, into the, the commitment that you have to finish your 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 work and then at the end when you're lying on the ground exhausted for a good cause and it's no better feeling it's no better feeling is there is there anything that fatherhood has taught you that jujitsu didn't man jujitsu has taught me a few stuff but nothing compares to fatherhood that's just now people sometimes say, oh, yeah, I'm going to wait till I'm ready. I'm like, you're not ready. I wasn't ready. Like, <laughs> we just wanted, we wanted to have a child. We yeah. tried to have a child. We had a child. And then I'm a white belt. You know, I'm a white belt in, <laughs> in everything. And then you just got to learn stuff again, yeah. you know, see things as brand new for the first time again. And it's a trip, you know, go back to my own childhood. You know, brought me back a bunch of memories as well. Yeah. Um, made me think like how do I want to treat people how I want to treat my son how I want to treat others around me like the type of role model I want to be for my child uh, so many things made me improve in so many, so many areas and of course when you're young and selfish and you know you're doing things for yourself and you're taking from the world it's a, it's a different stage then when you get married and you're trying to build something with someone you got to give up so many things that don't feel like you're giving up, but it just feels like you're transitioning into a new stage. And then when you have child, it's you know, same thing, just another transition and so much learning comes with it. So, yeah, yeah it's a trip. <laughs> well, soon, trip. You, soon you will be a, a black belt in fatherhood as well. Uh, Francisco, it's been so awesome having you on the show, man. It's It's been really a pleasure. And, uh, I want to say thank you for taking the time to be here, of course. And I look forward to coming out and training again with you guys. It's a blast over there. Really good, like I said, technical, pragmatic, awesome instruction. My pleasure, man. And I also want oh, to open the invitation to anyone who's around the area. San Diego, North County, stop by. Shoot me out a text. Let's train. Uh, you know, our gym, to be honest, the only person that competes is me. Maybe have another student that will compete every now and then. Like we're not competitors at all. We just we just but it's lifestyle. Good training. We're just a lifestyle gym. We push each other hard. We like to be uncomfortable. That's the thing. We love being uncomfortable. We love to grow. We all grow together. So if you ever want to stop by and, and check out what we're all about, have fun with the vibes, 
more than welcome. Yeah. And there'll be a link in the show notes to the gym. So check it out. Thank you, brother. My pleasure. Take care.